Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This tonight's message is called The Living Dead. I don't know how many of you have ever watched a zombie movie. I... Um, uh, Cheryl's not here, by the way. She's not very well. She's kind of worn herself out. She's, she's been fighting uh, a fluey, cold thing, bug, nasty demon thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, she's been fighting it all week, and, um, uh, but working, uh, working her socks off to get this conference, and she just pushed in for the conference, and, uh, uh, and she's completely sort of finished now. So, uh, and we've got to leave first thing tomorrow morning for Holland. So um, I left her packing my bag. And... Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. So she's not here, uh, but which is just as well because I can now admit to watching a zombie movie because I can't do that while she's here, and because uh, I'm not allowed. And uh, so, uh, but I'm not really into the zombie stuff. It's you know, it doesn't float my boat. But there was a, there was a, uh, what was that zombie one in Glasgow with um, Brad Pitt? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Brad Pitt did one. I can't remember what it was called. Um, World War Z, or Z, excuse me, and uh, so, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, well, it was Z that watched it, and it was, it was, it was pretty horrid, actually, it was kind of, there, was, there was some sort of scary, I don't like, what we used to do when we watched scary movies is, is put on uh, children's TV afterwards, and we would, like, watch a movie and go, oh, I don't, it just leaves, like, a horrid thing, you know? Like, you just, like, and so if you get a kid's, you've got a kid's bro, put on Frozen. No, actually, you feel worse. Put on, uh, put on, put on, we used to put on Noddy, you know, yeah? And uh, we used to watch Noddy. And uh, it comes on and there's Noddy in his red and yellow car and big ears. And, uh, and they would... And you'd watch it, yeah, you'd watch it, and you'd go, and you'd forget about the scary stuff, and you'd go, hmm, Jesus is in the room. And, uh, but I watched this, um, this zombie movie, and um, it's the concept that, that um, it, and it's sort of this weird thing, I think people actually believe this stuff. They literally believe that it's almost become a religion, this, this idea, that and vampires, um, that um, which suggests to me that there's probably a darker thing behind the the obsession uh, with zombies uh, and uh, the idea that um, the the dead uh, are still alive and they're sort of wandering around very slowly but somehow managing to catch up with people. I I don't know how that works, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you've got these sort of dead people who who look like they're alive. And uh, it reminded me of this scripture in Revelation chapter 3, which says this. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things he says who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And that's quite a... That's quite a sort of offensive statement. When, Cheryl, um, when uh, Ollie and Amanda, who ministered here last week, uh, when they were staying with us, we decided to sort of take them around, show them a bit of Scotland. Um, they've never been here before. It's the first time um, Amanda had been sort of out of Asia. She'd only been Australia, New Zealand, and um, somewhere in the 
far, uh, far East there. And uh, so she'd never been to it. So we're showing them. We took them to Colliston, uh, which is a beautiful little fishing village, um, a kind of uh, level with uh, Ellen, just on the coast there. And uh, we took her around. Of course, um, one of our favorite places is, is you sort of go around the village and you can climb onto the rocks. And from the rocks, you get this beautiful sort of secluded part of the beach. And, and, but the rocks are quite, you know, dangerous because they're kind of sort of the sharp sort of angles and you've got to climb over them, watch. And it was reasonably dry, so I thought it'd be okay. And I wanted to get a shot of the rainbow and also of the waves come breaking over the rocks further out to sea. So I'm climbing over these rocks and while I'm climbing, I'm looking kind of like, like I know what I'm doing, you know. I've got my nephew and his wife following me. And uh, so while I'm doing and suddenly... Um, I start to slip, and it's quite a long sort of slide. It's sort of, sort of the rocks sort of go up. You have to climb up, and then you slide down, and then you climb back up, and you slide down, and you work your way across to the coast. And, and I get to the top of this, and I'm, I'm walking down, and I slip. And it's a sort of this sort of... It's amazing when you fall that in your mind goes into slow motion, and you're all the time processing your thought, because... The bottom of this rock wasn't another, just another rock. It was also the sea. There was, like a, there was like a gap, a foot gap between the next rock and this rock where the water sort of came in and how, who knows how deep it was. And, and so I'm sort of falling and sliding. And this thought was going through my head while I'm going in slow motion. I don't know what was coming out of my mouth. I assume it was good things. And uh, so here I was, and I'm falling into these sort of... And as I'm falling, I'm thinking to myself, this is... (laughs) I'm not flying, I'm falling with style. (laughs) And that was literally what was going through my head. (laughs) And uh, it's amazing when Toy Story... (laughs) That's another thing you can watch after watching a zombie movie. And uh, so as I'm watching and I'm looking, and your brain is working overtime, how do I stop myself from falling into the sea. That's the first thing. I would have money. And I see the rock in front of me, um, and I know that there is a, there's, a drop, um, there's about a foot gap between the end of the rock. And so I place my hand uh, out, uh, which I'd just taken my glove off, unfortunately. <laughs> I put my hand out to catch myself onto the rock, caught the rock, turned myself, wedged myself, my shoulder into the rock, and there I am, sort of feet on the rock, wedged across this water and my shoulder against the, uh, the, the rock face that I'm looking at. And uh, as I do so, I realize, oh, oh, you know, I escaped getting wet. I take my hand away and very minor injury, of course, but nonetheless, something to be proud of. And because uh, that's the thing about men, right? We're, we're always very, very proud of our injuries. They're, they're personal trophies of great adventure. They're, uh, <laughs> doesn't matter how, but of course, I had to photograph it, put it on Facebook. And uh, so... I got this sort of cuts on my hand, blood everywhere, and uh, while I'm looking at it, you get, you know, you, you get this flappy bit of skin. You ever get one of those flappy bits of skin that kind of, and the thing about a flappy bit of skin is it looks alive, and you want it to be alive, because you want to stick it back, because that would be the most convenient thing to do, wouldn't it? Stick it back, come on, live live, stick it back. But eventually, you know what you're going to do, you're going to be, and you're going to catch, spend, so I spent the rest of the day catching it on things, because it was a flappy bit of skin, and really, the thing with this flappy bit of skin was, it was just dead. It had no other choice, no choice, but to yank it off. <laughs> Tug that thing off, eat it, and then, no, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the thing is, right, we, the Bible says to this church in Sardis that I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And this is one of the most, it's a really offensive thing to say. It's a little bit like, it's, you know, we, we see it and we read the Bible with a, a sense of poetry and a sense of drama, but not really a sense of the, the tone of, of offense with which it was meant to. It's like saying to a woman, yeah, great makeup, shame you put it on a corpse. It's like, it's, <laughs> that's offensive, isn't it? I can, see, I can tell all the ladies hate me now. Isn't it? I wasn't speaking to you. I was giving you a scenario. And that's the kind of offensive nature. It's basically saying, look, what are you doing creating this sense of life when in fact what you are doing is not alive, but in fact dead? Yeah. And in fact, what you're doing is you're powdering a corpse you're not feeding life into that which I've given you. And suddenly we begin to realize that there is a life we can live which is actually a life dead, not a life alive. And what happens is that we begin to live this life which is is working out the things which we think are important and we begin to pursue a life with an agenda which is causing death in our lives and we consider the things precious which are dead and we consider the things which could bring us life as something which we can't attain to. There, are, there is a life in Christ which we avoid so that we can pursue the things which we desire for ourselves. And so um, Paul writes to Timothy and He's writing again, this is one of these, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, an offense, kind of offensive. He's talking um, about widows, real widows, and widows who are just a pain in the neck to the church. That's really what he's saying. If you read it, it's kind of, and you can read it, and you can misinterpret very easily what he's actually saying. But he says here in 1 Timothy 5 verse 5, and he says, now, she who is really a widow and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Yeah, I don't know anyone like that. So, <laughs> basically, what he's saying is, look, these widows that are widows and no one to look after them and they're good for the house, they, they're praying, then their heart is for the kingdom of God then make sure you take care of those and bring them into your company. What he's basically saying, bring them into the company of people who will be a pillar to the leadership and the house of God. Bring them in. Jesus was um, met uh, by uh, a a prophetess uh, who lived in the temple when he was being dedicated, when he was just a baby. And uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple and the prophetess, there was a, a woman who was... Um, uh, 84 years old and she meets this uh, she meets Jesus and, and prophesies over him as far as we know it's her she's a prophetess as far as we know it's her only prophecy and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and she would have been one of these people someone who's just supporting and Paul is saying to me these people these are people who will bring life into the house but everybody else tell them to just get on with their life tell everybody else the other ladies tell them to get married and tell the people who are earning, 
money in their family to take care of them so that we don't have to. That's what he's basically saying. It says, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we can't go out and watch zombie movies? (laughs) Probably. No, does it mean that you can't live in pleasure? That you can't have pleasure? I mean, I would think to myself, having a holiday, that would be pleasure. Mediterranean, that would be nice right now, wouldn't it? As soon as the winter comes, you begin to think of the sizzling heat of the... Actually, it's not sizzling heat in the Med, is it? But you'd have to go a little bit further south for that. But you begin to think which are pleasure. And that isn't wrong, is it? That is not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, she who lives for her own desire. The person who lives for something which God did not give to them, but they are pursuing anyway. See, I I want you to understand, God wants to give you great things. But our responsibility, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, there is a dead life and there is a life life. There is a life we have in Christ and there is a life that we, we feed, but it is in fact just feeding a deadness of heart and a deadness of soul. It's amazing how we get kind of precious over things which God didn't give us to get precious over. What is really dead in our life? What are the things that we carry around in our life, in our soul, which is really dead? This week, just there's been such a touch of the Holy Spirit in this church over the last three weeks or so. There's been a real presence of God. People have been meeting with God and And this week has been a very powerful week for me in terms of, you know, you come back and you make personal commitments of, like you might do for your health or for your, like your, maybe you you might want to just get your health or your fitness or your weight or your your finances or just things. You know, there's lots of things we're just like, I want to get that sorted out. I'm going to improve on that. I'm going to work on that. We went out uh, with with lunch with Jenny and... um, uh, I said, uh, uh, Jenny ordered a, a, a salad, and Cheryl ordered, I don't know what Cheryl ordered, I wasn't, um, I wasn't sitting opposite her, so she, ate, she ordered food, right? So, but I ordered a calzone. Now, um, and Cheryl looked at me, and I went, I'm not on my diet yet. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm allowed this. And, because uh, we talked about, I talked about going on a diet just to, to um, keep my, I have to be very, very, I have very, very fine parameters of my health that I have to watch to keep in tip-top so that I don't lose my health. So I have to be, I can't afford to allow any kind of fat to build up. Uh, so I have to watch those kind of things. And so, and so I, I'm looking at it and I've reached the peak edge of what I can afford to live by. And so I've decided that I'm going to go back on a 40-day uh, fast and just get the health. And when I say fast, I mean eating really boring food and uh, that's what I mean by fast and uh, so I want to and but in that you know I'm making these improvements but this this heart cry came into my heart that I would my life would be a life that is alive living for the things which God gives not living for the things which are dead then this thought came to me well what's dead 
what, and here's the thing, began to, you begin, every thought I have, which is not born in the heart of God, is a dead thought for which I'm giving time, which is killing me. Every thought, every tradition, every, everything which we consider precious, which God didn't give as a precious thing. I was raised in very traditional church. I reckon there are a lot of people here raised in traditional church. And one of the things about traditional church, the traditional church that I was raised in um, had had a great move of God in around the 1700s. That was a long time ago. All right? And they were still reveling in it today. Sadly. And so I was raised as a child in these, and they considered precious the way they did church. Not the God they serve in church. And it was easy for me as a child growing up going, because I met with God, but not in that environment. I could see that they loved God. Cheryl's grandparents were my Sunday school teachers. And they're very, very pure, very holy, very righteous God, just godly people. But the precious things which they considered precious, the things which they considered precious, were just simple, nothing to do with God. But then this thought comes about, what about this church? How much of this service is actually to do with God? And how much is simply a vehicle to meet with God? Because if it's just a vehicle, well, we can change the car, right? If we have to. See, probably 95% of what we do in church has got nothing to do with God. I'm saying nothing to do with God. What I mean is, it's not God. It's just us. The band playing, I mean, you won't find that in the Bible. You'll find something else, but of course you can't get those instruments anymore. And if you did hear them, you'll go, oh, that's horrible. You, the way we preach, communicate, preaching style, service structure, service style. Paul would preach until people fell out the window and died. I can do that if you like. I mean, we just got to line them up. Other. It's like there's nothing about church. There's nothing about church of itself which is God. It is God who meets with us as we come to meet with Him. It is the meeting of God in the process of us worshipping Him. In the process of us finding a vehicle with which we can use to meet with Him. That's why church has to change. Because if we consider this precious and never change it, we've decided that this is what God said we should do. When none of this is relevant to a future generation or relevant to a previous generation. It's just relevant for now. Does that make sense to you? So take that out of your natural life when you get home and you're not in church. What are you considering precious? Which you think is important to your life, which in fact is not actually that important. See, God wants to do something amazing in your life but only if you are fast the things 
which you consider precious, but God didn't ask you to do. There are some things that we have in life which are important for us in just in terms of using it as a vehicle to get to God, to get to where we want to go. But they of themselves are not the destination. The destination is always that I meet with Christ, that I understand who He is, that I worship, that I obey Him, that I share the love of Christ that He's poured out on me into the heart and lives of people who are around me. The destination is that the grace which God poured out to me is shared to the lives of those who had no idea that grace existed, let alone that it was for them as well. There is a, we have an incredible gospel, but it only works when we stop feeding dead things. Because the more dead stuff you get, the more flies you get, the more disease you get, the more problems you get in life, the more confrontation you get in the house, the more strife and struggles you get in people's lives, because you've just got dead stuff around you. And this thought began to process in my heart and life. It's like, well... How do I know if my life looks alive when in fact it's dead? Or how do I know if I'm not in fact trying to protect a flappy bit of skin instead of having the courage to yank it off and let God do something new in my life? And I began to realize this with this flappy bit of skin. That's like... Because the moment you get a flappy bit of skin, you become sensitive to everything around you. How I realized that I'm protecting something which is dead is when I'm easily offended by things which people say to me that I don't want to hear. If I'm offended, if I'm discouraged or depressed over things, if I'm getting into a negative state over something which I considered right, something I considered mine, something which I considered precious for me, something which I thought God... If this is working negatively against me, I'm feeding the dead flesh. I'm putting makeup on something which died a long time ago when God wants us to have the courage, wants me to have the courage to yank it off and start something new. That's quite confrontational, isn't it? Because we know that there are things which are precious to us, but those things cause us to go into discouragement, depression, heartache, Because we're trying to hold on to something, but it is, in fact, a flappy bit of skin. We've got to yank that thing off. Here's something about depression, right? Depression can be from a full-blown medical condition to moments of darkness. They call it the black dog that comes upon your life, creeps over you. Here's the thing about depression. Once you've agreed with the thought, whatever that thought is, once you've agreed with it, 
you've got to try and work out a right in the midst of something which only produces a wrong. Depression will only make you feel more worse, right? Is that not true? And there are people here, you know what I'm talking about. Depression will only make you feel worse. But you've agreed that you're right in feeling worse because of the events that led you to feeling down. Are you still with me? Right, so you've agreed with that. So you must be right. So you've spent a long time feeling down, knowing that you're right to feel down because of this or because of that or because of a lot of other things. What are you doing? You're protecting the flappy bit of skin. You're putting... It's a dead thing. And here's the problem with getting out of depression is that you've got to come to the agreement that all that time you spent feeling depressed was a waste of time and you were wrong. And the only way to get out of it is to disagree with what you agreed with. Until the only way is so that you can turn your heart into something of hope. And when people find a way out of the shadow and find a way of getting that black dog under control that's no longer a monster controlling your life, but something which is contained and put away is when you start agreeing with what God says about your life, hope begins to be restored and becomes the right perspective and you have the courage to yank off that flappy bit of skin which once you considered precious but now you begin to realize it's been deceiving you all along. And I want you to know, I just want to hit depression. It's not the only issue I want to hit tonight but I just want you to understand, I just feel the Holy Spirit wants me to help you understand this. You have to know it is deceiving you. It's deceiving you. I know pastors and leaders. Don't think that anyone is outside of the realm of that kind of problem. All right? I know significant pastors and leaders that have been through harrowing times just because of the pressure of life. That they all got to a point where they found that they can look to Christ, disagree with the thing they agreed with that was deceiving them. They yanked off the flappy bit of skin and they began to find that healing begins to work in their life. They stopped putting makeup on the corpse. Amen? You know, we can get precious over things that we believe are us that are ourselves I had a had a fella um, we were three weeks into planting the church and the guy came to the church with a squeeze box and he came into the service and we're three weeks into the service and he comes in and he starts playing it I didn't ask him to play he just, he just stands up in the middle of the service starts playing his is that blank get him out of the church so he stands and says I'm an evangelist so anyway we I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure that's what evangelists do, you know, <laughs> disrupt services. I think that's kind of that. <laughs> Maybe you're a devil, I don't know. I don't. So anyway, we're just like this sort of come. And so we're speaking to him, he says, I'm an evangelist. God has called me to, to um, uh, be an evangelist in the northeast of Scotland. 
wonderful. How long have you been doing this? For seven years. What, full-time? Full-time ministry, seven years. How many people have you led to the Lord? Nobody. I looked at him and I thought to myself, I'm 29 years of age, right? And I look at this fella in his 50s. And I, do you know what? I would think after seven years, I would think that chosen the wrong career (laughs) think of chosen the wrong I think I've thought I've got a ministry where in fact I don't (laughs) seven years no results yeah I'm not sure I would call that an evangelist do you understand what I'm saying here in other words he had a flappy bit of skin which he considered more precious than listening to what God wanted him really to do. There was a gift on his life. He just wasn't getting it in the place where God could use it. And instead, he became disruptive, independent, and ultimately disappointed, broken, because he wasn't getting what he wanted to get. Here's the thing. If you're suffering disappointment, brokenness, heartache, There are things which cause those events to come into our life. But there is only one way of dealing with it. We cannot afford to put makeup on the thing which hurt us and try and protect that thing and even try and make it right. We've got to learn to have the courage to yank that thing off and start again. God wants to heal it. I've got a little scab on my hand now. It's healing nicely. I'll be able to pick the cat scab and eat that too. (laughs) It says in Romans 8 verse 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Here's the question. Where does your mind go? What are you thinking about? How are you spending your thought time? Where are your thoughts taking you? When you stop and think, are you dreaming of things which is not of God? Do you spend your time dreaming that you might win some money? Do you spend time dreaming that you might just... It might all just go away, problems. Or are you in your heart, leaning your heart towards Christ? Because all the time we lean towards things which are not of God. We're creating for ourselves towers of our own babels, places of our own importance, things which we consider. And we're asking God to bless those things. We want God to bless them because we want God in on our project. And we consider these things precious and important. Prodigal son had a moment. I don't reckon the prodigal son was a bad lad at all, really. Just silly, foolish. Got something in his head. And he goes off and he does the prodigal living. But he's in the pig pen And he realizes he's been living a life which is dead. If he's got the courage to say he was wrong, just 
yeah, I think I made a... To pull off the flappy bit of skin, he can turn around and find his way back home. You know, we can think we're right about all sorts of things. We can think that we've got our thoughts right. But in the process of our thinking, if it leads us into offence, if it leads us into disagreement, if it leads us into a place of turmoil, I would suggest that perhaps we're feeding a dead part of our lives rather than living in life and peace. There is a life and peace that Christ has got for you. And I really want tonight for us and in this church as we look forward to 2016 seems weird that we're beginning to say that now but I'm so, I'm so excited about next year I know that the plans that God has put in our heart for the church and the shifts that are beginning to take place we've spent a whole year or more talking about them but they're literally just beginning to take place and moving people into the right place and God is moving through the house he's moving people's hearts and lives where will, we, where will we let our mind go? Will we consider things precious, which is just not the point? Or will we yield our life to Christ and go, God, I'll do whatever you need. I'll go wherever you need. I'll give whatever you need. I'm submitted to you. That's the challenge. That hurts us to do that because it means giving up on the agenda that we've already set. But when we do that, something breaks out in your life that is far superior to what you could have built yourself. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.